You're listening to Tango Uncorked. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the show. This is Tango Uncorked, and I am your host, Adam Hoopengardner. And coming up this week on the show, we have Adrian Minkovic, um, who just welcomed a, a new daughter into the world this past weekend. Today is uh, Sunday. I'm currently recording this introduction on Sunday the 22nd of March, and I believe his lovely wife gave birth either today or yesterday, and so congratulations to them. It's their second daughter, second child. Um, I moved to New York a long time ago, and one of the things I always hoped I would do one day was meet a comedian because I find them to be very interesting and unique subculture of people. Um, and I met one, and that's this guy, and he's really funny, and I find comedians, at least the ones that are, I think are, I think personally are good at what they do, uh, to be extremely intelligent people in order to, to look at the world through that scope and to quantify things in the way they do and to bring it out and make us laugh at ourselves and at themselves and at the world as it is, is a very rare and unique gift and um and they're always thinking they're always observing they're always um criticizing and they're always working they're always working with their brain and then uh i find that to be very fascinating so i met this gentleman a few years ago he is an argentinian comedian he is uh as is as foreign to american comedy as i am to argentine tango <laughs> When you consider that I was born in Cleveland and now I dance a, a Latin, a dance from the South and he is from the South and he does stand-up comedy here in New York as well as uh, in his home now in Norway. He He's on a TV show there. He's working on a pilot and he's a very interesting guy. So I hope you enjoy the show. Um, we are also doing a new thing now that we have shut down Tango Cafe during the current COVID 19 situation we have a live weekly milonga sort of milonga not really um but it's a call-in show some of you called in this past wednesday and were surprised that we didn't have video uh i'm not sure if you're aware but podcasts are podcasts uh, so yeah uh but you can call in and you can chat with us and chico and i are there uh, we're gonna. Last week was our first one. It was a lot of fun. We had some drinks. We chatted with people from all around the United States. The, I guess one of the cool features is that we can now have guests from all over the world, and you don't have to fly to New York. Uh, the downside is we're not actually dancing, but um, hopefully we'll get through this soon enough. I have a feeling, however, that it will take a while. I hope everybody's doing their best to keep their spirits up and to also contain this spread. And the sooner we do that, the sooner we'll get through it. Um, another reason we're doing the podcast on Wednesday is because we are asking for help, donations. If you want to help support your local tango dancers, if you don't want to support us, that's fine. But maybe there's some other people in the community that you really like. Uh, none of us have work for now and we probably won't for a while. So if you want to support Chico and I, you can go to Adam and Chico at Gmail. That's spelled A-D-A-M-A-N-D-C-I-K-O at Gmail. Uh, and you can pay us through PayPal, Venmo, or Chase QuickPay. 
the entrance fee for Tango Cafe, for example, or your life savings is another example. Um, anything you were going to leave your children, college tuition, any of those things we accept. Um, just kidding. Well, sort of. Um, no, but we'll be okay. We're going to get through this. And until we do, let's stick together. Let's be peaceful. And even afterwards, let's stick together and be peaceful. Why not? Um, so, without further ado, I hope you enjoy the show with Adrian Minkovitz. <laughs> darkness you have to uh, buy the other <laughs> it's more like my say hi I'm like in fact I don't think that I ever spoke to one of this well you don't have to look at it while you talk to it <laughs> okay <laughs> you can just look at me or these cookies good so um we started no yeah yeah it's easier that way. You do the Mike Myron thing? No. I don't even know who that is. Really? What, I, the, I don't, the I don't model my podcast at all off of... The what the fuck po podcast? Can I ask you? Yeah. Do you listen to... Well, obviously. Do you find that like listening to other comics can um, influence how you think of jokes or... Or do you try to stay away, or do you not? You go I mean, you hang out with them. to cut the cheese. <laughs> I was like, I, I'm, going to, I'm going to eat this cookie. Uh, do it was okay. This is very serious right now. Uh, okay, I forget mean, that. I have I mean, another question. No, no, I no, mean, no it's fine. sure, sure, anything influences you. For sure that you see someone uh, doing something incredible, say, oh, what are they doing? What what? what is this type of show that I'm seeing or uh, sometimes <clears throat> I see it more because I'm a comedy nerd than other stuff you know but uh, yeah some part goes in the back to your brain and uh, it's not that you see it to be influenced right. I, I think I'm uh, my, my when I write when I start writing a new hour show it's more uh, being influenced by reality or books or things like that. It, that. That is the thing that comedy can you cannot be influenced by is he already treated that subject mm -hmm. or that issue, whatever it is. At the most you can say, oh, I didn't think about this. Right. But, uh, but that's it. Then you have to move on. But, but with anything that is not comedy, any sources like books or music or reality or your life, well, that is where comedy is coming from. How um, do you think that stupid people can be comedians? <laughs> stupid people can be anything. Well, they, they can they be are, funny, they, but... <laughs> some of them, they're ruling the world. <laughs> so, uh, uh, well, I just uh, feel like as a person who is a comedian... I mean, I don't mean to just say you're a comedian, but yeah. you have to be extremely conscious of everything that you say, right? And how it affects people and the source of that information. Not whether the source is real or not, but yeah. you're conscious of 
what you're bringing in because you said you you derive comedy from books, living life, experiences. So you're always like filtering these experiences into how you might produce something, right? Yes. So it seems to me that the more I learn about comedy, yeah. comedians, yeah, the more I realize they have to be always like on almost. Does that make sense? I, I don't think yeah not it's, on but you're, you're always all, like perfect. working your mind it, yeah you know? it's, it's like, like well you can you cannot yeah it's true but I don't know if it doesn't happen with other art forms but in comedy you, you don't unplug ever I, uh, that's my right because yeah, in other yeah. art forms you're not yeah if you're a painter you're not at the canvas maybe you're drawing inspiration but yeah you are literally like drawing your creativity from being alive. Yeah, 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 pretty much. Like moment to moment. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. So how do you turn that off? Yeah. No, you, no, no, it's, it's you can't. But I mean, with a painter, it's different. I don't know. Uh, or with a musician, it's different. I don't know, but it's true. And not only that, it's, it's in the passive way and it's in the active way. Because not com all comedians, of course, that we are not the same, but normally you start cracking jokes. Mm -hmm. when you're with your friends or with other comedians with anyone so in a way in, in the passive way you are like absorbing all that life is giving you and on the other side in the active you are not working when you're cracking jokes but i mean right yeah, yeah. so would you say that your impetus your start so you eat the cookie, <laughs> I can eat the cookie. you can you can you can talk a little longer and while i chew <laughs> so would you say that what got you interested in the beginning was sharing these ideas that you have or making people laugh like when did one become I'm the other one of the uh, I was exposed to comedy by I would say in uh, by Seinfeld mm -hmm. and not only a show but what he was doing at the beginning and I think in the primer state, I was thinking, oh, that's fascinating how you can grab something from life. And then you realize that <laughs> whatever it was uh, comedy before. But uh, I, I think that um, the intelligence of the art form, I think, was, uh, what was, uh, was the first thing that attracted me the most. But I don't think that my... Um, as a comedian, I, I do that. I I, uh, I do more maybe political comedy. Like now the vehicle for me is to try to tell something. Mm -hmm. Try to make people laugh, but I think try to tell something. If I think that stand-up or comedy has always to have a meaning, no, not at all. You can do a fart joke and you can laugh and it's fantastic. It's amazing and that's it. And that's why we have different comedians for right. different people yeah. but in my case uh, yeah I, I, I like to try to explore and to bring something new uh, in my last show for example about the colonization of America many people were telling me well it's really funny but at the same time we didn't know many of these things and for me it's still surprising that they, they, they didn't know those things mm -hmm. And uh, so it's not only that I want to tell, but also at the same time you are sharing and you are realizing, well, right. where we are as human beings and how can you not know, for example, some of this stuff. 
I was driving the other yeah, Saturday with Sharon, and we were in Long Island, and what we talked, to, what you and I spoke about in the coffee shop a few days ago, you know, about educating people on, you know, they're ignorant about, we all are in our own ways, because we can't know everything, but cool. um, certain things that happen, and we were, anyway, we're driving, and I was like, oh, there's a plaque for the uh, Native Americans who used to live here. How, here. That, how nice of us. In this to, building? No, in the Long Island when okay. we were driving. Okay. And I thought, I said, like, how nice of us to honor them with a plaque. Yeah. Cause we, you know, yeah, like, because we're such great people. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I I will murder you all, and then I will, but you will have a plaque. And every year we'll have a yeah, ceremony yeah. with a plaque. Yeah. yeah. I, I think it's, yeah, many people, they don't understand, really comprehend what happened there. and But uh, I think it's the narrative. I think I lately I am obsessed with narrative. Like when I read something or talking about the inspiration of things, how the narrative changes and you tell the same story in a different way where at some moment people, they cannot know what is the truth anymore. Hmm. And I think we are living in those times uh, with Google, Facebook, everything. It's like, what is the truth? Where, where, where is this going? It's like, oh, and if you know that it's a lie, it should be still telling something that is a lie where, where is our freedom of speech and i am i'm really interested in those things mm -hmm. yeah when we were talking the other day you mentioned you did the show in england yeah. cambridge right yeah. yeah and you in front of everybody they told you not to talk about well they they mentioned that uh, because it was a, a it was a kind of touchy subject right. about Malvinas and they asked me if I had something it would be better and I said no I don't have any any jokes that they have a goal as Malvinas even if I have in I think two or three years ago I had in a show like 15 minutes about Malvinas mm. but in this show no but I was mentioning Malvinas and I don't know if ever anyone in the University of Cambridge mentioned the word Malvinas because British people call them the Falklands. Right. So, and there were a lot of Latin Americans there and, and I was making a joke about that and uh, when I mentioned the word Malvinas in relation to another joke, I heard a, mmm, <laughs> a tense moment. And uh, I don't know, I, I, I think I like to, to uh, look for those moments to look for that cringe humor that not everyone is um, is uh, comfortable with and that you can look for it in many ways you can say the wrong word or saying politically what you shouldn't say or many uh, yeah many many things I think that if you can say something like that, but then walk your way out of it artfully, that takes a lot of finesse, right? A lot of? Finesse. Hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's not hard to be offensive, but it's hard to be offensive, and then after, afterwards people still really like you a lot and trust you. <laughs> hmm. <laughs> not that your intent is to be offensive, but... Like, I said something once when I was teaching and managed to put it in such a way. And people have said this to me on occasion. Like, only you could get away with saying something like that. You know what I mean? And, like, comedians have a way as well where they say things that are very obvious to all of us, but they say it in such a way that 
you agree begrudgingly you're like uh yeah okay yeah but if somebody else said it you i think most people's first reaction would be to be defensive you know yeah they 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 are like if for example i was performing in budapest and i did the malvinas material and i was heckled heckled by argentinians and by british people at the same time so for sure that sometimes uh yeah people will react and then I think that's also a challenge of comedy. It's like I I, uh, I had a really hardcore joke a couple of years ago in an hour show, and I was telling the joke more or less after a half show or something like that. It was an important joke also for the for the show, and uh, I I knew it that that was a, a very specific moment of the show, and uh, that is a moment that you make a jump. And you will always be able, you only will be able to pass to the other side if you created enough credit mm. in the first hour or half an hour that they like you enough to let you jump. So you're saying you have to build trust in a way. Exactly. Right? Mm. And that's a very intentional... Like abilities, like, oh, we are all together right. in this thing. It's like, at the end of the day, comedians, we are storytellers. We are the guys that at the beginning of time they were grabbing people around the fire, fire yeah. but with punchlines. Uh -huh. That's that's what I see. And um, if they are with you, well, you, you can make the jump. If they are not with you, you're fucked. Hmm. Uh, and uh, and I, I, I and I love <coughs> that moment because it was really a moment that I didn't know what was going to happen. And sometimes I didn't make the jump, and hmm. and then. It's a, it's a difficult moment to, to, because you have to continue with the other half of the show. But then you have, yeah, you have tricks, you have resources in order to continue. But uh, I also believe that you have your audience. Every comedian has their yeah. audience. Yeah, so yeah. It, we have the fantasy that uh, sometimes maybe we will like, uh, everyone will like us. Right. Not like that at all. I think the sooner we accept that, the sooner we get more honest with what we're about because i feel like as myself sure. as a dancer i wanted to make everybody happy when i performed yeah i never really made that attempt as a teacher because i kind of accepted that that's impossible but yeah. until i realized that everybody's judging you no matter what even if you think you gave the best product there's still half the room is going to hate you you know, yeah. so you might as well just, I mean, you still should try to do your best, but the point is, is like, you're not going to. I mean, sometimes I see someone that doesn't like me. I was like, oh, why, why he should like me? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's basically what you have. Just like, we are all like, oh, I'm amazing. No, you are not amazing. You're shit like the rest of us. Mm -hmm. Some people will like you. Some people won't like you. That's life. Do you wonder so I think it's interesting. There's no, maybe I'm wrong. Why is stand-up comedy so popular in the States and basically doesn't exist anywhere else? It's popular, man. It is, but it's getting there. But it's, you know what I mean, though? It's very interesting that. It's more here, but I mean, in the, in the UK, it's really, really big. True, and, and I saw some in Dublin when I was in Ireland. But I feel like. Like in Germany, 
they're just not funny people maybe i don't know but, but this <laughs> no. is a big, big circuit in germany eh? yeah, in germany yeah, yeah yeah i know i know uh, so it's for a fact yeah, yeah yeah getting more i think so yeah you have um in germany there's a big circuit in spain i worked mm-hmm. in that circuit it's big you have also tv you have uh, yeah i mean really i know there's comedy tv that's been around in everywhere for a long time uh, but that, i just think like stand up is a, a uniquely great, uh, club uh, it's called la chocita lord in madrid i've done it many many years uh-huh. when i started touring in europe uh france in french they have also a big circuit hmm. Uh, and then there's uh, Nordic countries also they have many many comedians in Sweden and Norway and then um, now there's a new thing I would say from the past I don't know 10-15 years maybe 20 I, I, that, I don't know that is a circuit in English in Europe that hmm. uh, you can tour and you can uh, do shows for expats and, uh, yeah, but but for sure that uh, in the biggest countries here, I think, and, and I, I think the best city to perform is here in New York. Still? But uh, aren't most of the people you're performing for from Europe here? <laughs> no, no, I don't think so. Because no, I, I mean, the comedy clubs are generally full of Maybe half, tourists, right? but, but there is a lot of tourists from the United States. <clears throat> That's true. Also. Yeah. 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 So I would say uh, it's a healthy balance. Are there any clubs here? that you would know like i feel like whenever i go to a show it's generally <clears throat> tourist but i guess that could be anywhere i feel like in cleveland if i go to a comedy show 90 percent of the audience is from cleveland you know because nobody goes i can to imagine that right? that happens yeah. When, yeah, yeah but here i feel like 90 percent of the audience is not from here so. yeah a lot of new yorkers yeah. and there are clubs that they have more new yorkers than others but uh yeah yeah a lot of new yorkers yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you have a uh, big clubs in Kibina? Do you need work? <laughs> Always. <laughs> There's a few. Um, do you have a huge following in Cleveland? Hi, my name is Adrian. Why? <laughs> I think the only thing weirder than a guy from Cleveland learning tango is a guy from Argentina learning comedy in English. <laughs> True, that that is kind of a parallel, no? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, people are like, what? Why? Well, but I started in Argentina. So, okay. uh, yeah, in Cleveland, we should do my uh, stand-up tango show. You know, that, oh, a couple man. of years ago, I did... Uh, yeah, yeah. That would be... You have a festival there. <clears throat> yeah, in July. Yeah. I know. Well, the but, marathon, but yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, uh, a couple of years ago, I did a, a show that was stories of love tango drama and how almost kill someone for love and then uh yeah so i i was doing that and i was singing three tangos with a guitar and then i had a dancer in the middle of the audience and now i'm telling all the tricks but still there are some twists in the show and uh and uh, we were dancing one tango. It was a really nice show really really nice show hmm. it's called tango tales so every is that a year, solo i mean you have the person in the audience but aside every from year that? i do a solo i make a new solo and i premiere but it's a solo it, show yeah, yeah every year i premiere it at the fringe festival in edinburgh every august and then i tour it and then the next august i have a new show and you never have you ever considered doing it at like a tango festival um yeah well the thing is we did it uh, with uh, Geraldine Rojas and Ezequiel Paludi. So basically, 
they invite me to close their uh, gala night for, for a show in Amsterdam. And what I did uh, was I proposed that let me be the MC of the show. And then I was um, cutting my show in different parts. Mm. And they were people, uh, they, they were performing another couples from Forever Tango and people like that. They were performing my beats mm. after I was explaining the history of tango. It's only one part of the show. And in the middle of the thing we have, uh, people dancing they they had it was a, their event uh, was a milonga so basically it was divided in three parts and uh, we uh, people were dancing in the middle it was great it was really really nice last nice. year maybe uh, we will do it again this year I don't know and um, so yeah yeah, yeah. I uh, the, the thing is my idea is I will continue doing that show mm -hmm. so I, some of these shows I am trying to have them as a repertoire like to like I won't abandon them. It's really difficult to do that because at some moment you have to have three hours in your head. And yeah. not only that, it's like also the timing. Mm -hmm. That is the most um, the most difficult part of the performing an hour that you wrote and it's not necessarily. So for example, when I perform in the clubs here in New York, it's nothing to do with that hour and it's nothing to do with brown privilege that was my last hour about the colonization of america i talk other things about other things i talk about the city or being a father di different things mm -hmm. and uh so then at some point you have to really study when you ha are going to perform if you sell that show for example someone buys it in october and uh Right. So, yeah. yeah, you yeah. have to. <clears throat> so, but basically, the the only show that I'm thinking to have separately from these ones is uh, that one is Tango Tales. Is the only way you can um, test stuff? I mean, I'm guessing yeah. is when you just do like a, a show, like a small uh, show. Is the only one way for a comedian? Yeah, there's no other way. Right. Sometimes happens that. Like you can't lately, just be like, "Hey, listen to this. Let me know if you think it works," because that's a different. Yeah, situation. yeah, it's uh, it's not only that. It's like also uh, there are techniques. I think to every comedian has their own tricks to try material, but I think the only way to try and to reflect uh, truthfully if it works or not is to contrast with the your material that works. So basically, as a comedian, you will have new bits in the middle of your set with a real audience that it is working, and then. Uh, if that audience was laughing with the other stuff, you see how they react to mm. the new jokes. Interesting. So you're experimenting. Exactly. So there's a lot yeah. of intent. I mean, it's not just to say, oh, I'm going to go out there and make people laugh because you're also building for the next time you're going to go out there and make people laugh. Exactly. Depending right. on the day, sometimes you are not trying new material, but it's a crowd that you don't know. So you are thinking what to do. Like, uh, for example, in Budapest, I, I, you never do things because you think that you will be heckled. You prefer that you have them on all the time. But uh, this British comedian brought me uh, there and he was laughing about Malvinas, Falklands, blah, 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 the, the day before where we had a dinner and, and a show and then was a Q&A with the people. And uh, I was in the middle of my show the next day and I was like, well, where do I go from here? I know you wanted to talk about this. So I brought my material from another show about Malvinas and they went bananas. <laughs> it's not that this 
is, of course this is a conflictive material maybe and uh, basically I'm, I'm I'm telling to the British Empire well it's still a lot of shit and uh, you have to own it now mm -hmm. that is the, the the frame but uh yeah it's different when when you are going to a show like that and you are thinking basically to deliver your a material and how to you know to do your thing than when you have new material and in the new material i think i've been many years doing this already i think that uh, it changes along the way when you're writing like at some moments i write because i have to take it out of my head but sometimes i write and i immediately know wow this will work. Lately it's happening. Maybe it will abandon uh, me, that feeling. Mm -hmm. But I did it last Saturday. I was performing in a show and I did this thing. I, I had a balance where, but I wrote a lot of new material. So I, I had a balance where I had my bits that work and, and new material, but suddenly I, I hit the new material. It was working all the way. So I didn't abandon it. I continued doing all my new bits mm. and I finished the show <clears> like that. That some years ago for me would have been impossible. Also because uh, English is my second language. So I need uh, more yeah. preparation. But, uh -huh. uh, but when I wrote that material, that they wrote it around the corner in Brunswick, in the, in uh, the, coffee, the, coffee the coffee shop, I was thinking, oh, this will, it was tagging other material they have. And I was like, oh, this will work. And, and I was right. We'll see. But I did only one, <coughs> so we will see if it really works. Maybe I was lucky that you never know. Mm -hmm. The material you have to try two or three times. I think some comedians, and I kind of agree with that, they have a, a rule of three. Three strikes, you're out. Mm -hmm. if, if you don't make people laugh. But this one worked immediately, so now I have to continue making it work. So timing is, I think, the key for anything in any art, right? Yeah. Oh, I thought you were talking about sex, but yeah. yeah. Oh, that too. <laughs> That's an art. Rhythm. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, um, sure, time. I guess is that something else you're calibrating? Because you, people need the process. You you know, I've 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 been to some stand up some comedy shows where the the comedian they they seem nervous in a way because they're they're coming out so quickly with material. You know, they're talking so fast that before you can process and laugh, they're already into the next thing. And mm -hmm. I don't know if that's for those people their their style. Or if they're working on figuring out how to change that up, but are you so, calibrating timing as well when you're up there? Not only trying new material, but trying new timing. Always, and and, and sometimes you are off your timing. Yeah. It's like, oh, what is going on? And sometimes you do. Like I, I time myself not only because they pay us uh, in relation to time, right. but also. Uh, I, I was, for example, performing in Bergen, in the west of Bergen, play called Rix, and uh, great shows, both of them. But then the second show I did, uh, the same material, one minute faster. I was like, what happened there? Hmm. Like maybe, and, and people were laughing so, because sometimes people laugh less, so you are faster. All right. But in this case, it were two good shows. And I'm like, where is that? And you get obsessed. It's like, why? One minute faster. It was slow the first day or it was too quick the second day. Uh. And, but for sure, the timing is, uh, 
That happens a lot with British comedian and North American comedians in relation to, for example, audiences that they, they don't have English as a main language. And for me, that is an advantage because I know that. I know that they will take longer time to, to process right. exactly English. But still, the most I get comfortable, I've had that thing. I was like, be careful that they don't be too fast because they... They need time to process. Mm. Even, for example, with Norwegian audiences, that they are great. They, they literally they all speak English. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Basically, trying the new joke is also it's, it's not only the words, but it's timing. It's mm. how you deliver. Yeah. And how do you? So you can test stuff when you do a show, but how do you ultimately determine? Besides laughing at something you've written, how do you, you know, it's like, how do you know something's funny? What do you mean? Funny for me or funny for them? Well, that's the thing. If they're laughing, it's funny. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> but you don't know that until, so oh, you no, write something no. and you're like, that's funny. And well, then you go and you do it. I, I would be interested to talk to the, the person who thinks things are really funny. And then every time he, he or she tries them. Nobody laughs, but they keep trying. Well, that that's amazing. <laughs> that in the, itself is funny. The confidence that some new comedians have. Like, no, no, I have it. And no one laughs. And they continue doing their shit. Um, if, if I start writing it, it's because I think there is something there. Maybe not necessarily. I think that that I am writing is funny. But I think that this... Uh, could be. Yeah, exactly. That yeah. there is something there that it could be potentially funny. Uh, then of course, it's like people have to laugh. That that is why I think that is funny. And sometimes I uh, I can I write a lot in general. And for me, the thing is, uh, my problem is that I don't try it on stage, so I I forget material and I write again. And sometimes bits are forgotten. And uh, another try that I have or test that I try in relation to what is funny is like if I read it when I already forgot about the bit and it makes me laugh, mm. it's like, ah, I have to try this again yeah. or try it at all. Sometimes it happens to me. I'm kind of I, uh, not a really focused person. Okay? My concentration goes like all over mm. in all the different projects that I make and sometimes I forget things. And, and you're speaking of projects, you're doing a TV show in Norway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And are you also part of the development of the show? Yeah, I'm writer and I'm performer there. And yeah. it's in English, I'm guessing. Uh, no, no, or it's in Norwegian. It. Oh, it is? All in Norwegian, uh, two seasons already. And uh, then I am the only one performing in uh, Spanish okay. oh, and English. Okay. Because I am the Argentinian reporter. So it's a, it's a political satire show. It will be a mix between a sketch show like SNL and Who is America? Because we have hidden cameras and, mm. and everything has a political content. Hmm. And so like Brits have a very different sense of humor than Americans. Uh, One would say they have none. <laughs> Brits? No, no. I, <laughs> I'm just I kidding. They laugh. It takes a minute to get... Yeah. Uh, my point is, is like, yeah, what's the sense of humor like in Norway? And do you have to change how you deliver material, write material? Because it takes, like, if I'm going to watch a British comedy show, yeah. 
I don't think I've ever seen a, a British stand up maybe, but I have it takes me like five or ten minutes to realize that those are jokes. <laughs> <laughs> well I like some, even Monty Python, like even like some of the best, I'm like Oh, those are jokes. Well, okay. so, some people tell me that, that my my uh, sense of humor is more dry. It's more British than, than American in a way. But uh, I, I love British humor. Yeah. It's like uh, from Monty Python to Ricky Gervais to Eddie Izzard. Like, I love those guys. Um, yeah, sure. You have to change everywhere. The, 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 that is the, the, one of the things that the comedians ask me more. It's like the but most. how do you know? Like, how do you do that? How do you yeah, know? Okay, well, that is That's, years, years of, of, yeah. of experience. So basically, uh, the first thing that you need, I think that is important, is I am fish out of the water, right? So as you were saying, it's like, what, an Argentinian doing, performing comedy in English? Like, what the fuck is that? And basically, I think, when audiences they come to see me or they are, they happen to be in the club where I'm performing, uh, they are thinking, "What the fuck is that?" And uh, <laughs> so my my first material is to deliver, "What the fuck is that?" Right. So this is me, and that in my experience works everywhere, because I am talking about the guy that is on stage. Now lately, I I've been tailoring material for the places that I am in. Oh, I try to do that. So since um, I, I, I live in Norway, I have the TV show, I have a family in Norway, so I uh, talk about Norwegian people, which I know. Even right. now I have, I'm learning Norwegian, so I have uh, one or two jokes that I am uh, talking about language and I am delivering in Norwegian. Uh, in the UK, I talk about their politics, or basically now I talk about I, I'm talking about history and the history that they don't know. Um, uh, here, the same. I talk about New York and the life of New York. Like more and more, I, I used to have my set very tight and it was similar to all the countries. And I, I am realizing when I am telling you that now that uh, it changed. Hmm. That changed. That I, I realized that yeah, I, I can might have an intro, but then I go to really different places in all of that. Even when I was performing in Budapest, I did exactly the same. I told you with this material about new material. I wrote new material about being in a in a bath. They have these beautiful hmm. public bath bathhouses. Bath yeah. yeah, and uh, with different pools and different things. And I was trying to be around the. You, you get lost. They're like labyrinths. They're huge. And I see these gardens. And how can you arrive to the sauna in the in the terrace? Like, Why well, you want to go to the terrace? <laughs> like, I know I like it, but if you want me to, I don't go. <laughs> so I wrote like, I don't know, like six, seven minutes about that. And I did everything. And they love that. Mm -hmm. But also, I think, not only because it's relatable, and, and that is the thing with comedy. If I tell you something that you don't know of it will take me longer time like in my last hour show to make you be in that world if i immediately talk about being a father or dating or food it's like things that we all do and so if i go to your city and in one day i can write seven minutes about the bus people also are grateful oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that you also you took the work mm -hmm. to do that yeah. and but that for me i love to do that it's a challenge is that challenge that w when I saw at the beginning, I was like, oh, 
how can they think of these things when I wasn't doing comedy, uh -huh. you know? Now, to uh, to grab life, like you were saying, like that, uh, and and to write something and then to try it, I think it's a privilege more than, than uh, anything else. Like if someone can hear whatever I have to write about their city the day that I arrived, and I can tell it to 100, 150 people, I, I'm very grateful. I'm still amazed that I can do that. Uh, if 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 you do that in New York, people are used to seeing New York everywhere. But like, for example, there was a, an actor on The Tonight Show recently, right? And he shot something in Cleveland. And he mentioned like, oh, I like Cleveland, the Browns, the football team. Oh, they're they're a good team. I mean, he's they're gonna build a fucking statue. This guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, that's Did you so hear nice. That? <laughs> on the Tonight Show, he said he loves Cleveland. It's like he's moving here. He's gonna raise a family. Yeah. Like they're fucking freaking. I mean, yeah. most small cities, man. You say anything, they're uh -huh. just like. <laughs> well, it's, it's not, at, at the end of the day, we are all people, right? We all want that attention. Kind of attention. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think I, I wish that more things, movies specifically, and, and other things were were taking place in other places outside of L.A. and New York and some of the big metropolitan. Because a, it's redundant as fuck. It's it's been overdone. You know, if I mm -hmm. see another as and you know CSI or whatever shot in Brooklyn or you know. It's nice. It would be cool to see more stuff taking place, and I think other people would appreciate it. Same thing with sports and in and anything. Like when when those franchises are always doing well, everybody loses interest. Um, I'm totally leaving the topic of you, but that's just my own personal. Yeah, yeah, thing. Like, we are talking. Yeah. It's like forget it. It's like, <laughs> well, when I wear this these is a new Adams, like I a, feel like I think uh, in the bars we have more fun than now. <laughs> yeah, like okay, so we talk about coming now, and it's fine. It's like whatever you want. But <laughs> this is my uh, entrevista, man. The entrevista, yeah, me gusta la entrevista. We're gonna switch to my Spanish. interviewer voice. <laughs> I'm also hungover as shit, and I'm having a hard time keeping <laughs> myself focused. So that's why I'm. Sometimes when I do these, I talk a lot, and sometimes I just sit here and not. <laughs> I think you're fine. I'm like, I think you are no, thinking now is like, am talking, I talking, talking a lot? Talking, or... You need to keep talking. I can't think of anything to say. Keep talking. Yeah. Um, so, Tango, this is a Tango podcast. Mm hmm. You're. Uh, is that something you grew up with, or? Yeah, I did. Did some. Uh, well, I I think I stopped. Why I did is it one taking picture. you so long to do it well? Uh, <laughs> I don't know. It's like I suck. No, but and, you. So uh, you're. <laughs> is it something you grew you grew up doing dancing, or I mean, it's in your culture. Uh, yeah, yeah. There are some obviously. pictures of me being four years old with all the tango. Uh, outfit. Oh yeah. And and uh, yeah, the kindergarten that I was in at that moment made us dance when I was four in one of the biggest. You have been in Buenos Aires, mm -hmm. so do you see the Grand Rex and Opera, the two mm -hmm. big theaters in Avenida Corrientes? I, mm -hmm. I performed in the opera. Hmm. When you were four. When I was four, yeah. Oh. So, but then I stopped and then I started uh, dancing much later. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I mean. Uh, I, I, I listened to tangos all my life. and uh, Did you me, ever find them to be like cliche? I mean, they are cliche. I, I, but I, I, I thought that no, you, like, you were going to say that. 
Well, I was thinking of another word. I'm thinking like because some people I talk to from from Argentina specifically, yeah. Yeah. Um, are like, well, I don't like tango because it it's old. It makes me think of my grandparents. I mean, at this point, even mm-hmm. more great mm-hmm. grandparents. Who knows? Mm-hmm. And then some people are saying, oh, I love it because it's old. <laughs> yeah, and it makes me think of my grandparents. Well, so. the thing is, okay, so. I, I think when when you are growing, it's like I, it grows more in you. In my sense, I like it since I was really young. Like mm-hmm. many men, I was singing tangos. My uh, one of my aunts called Koki, like Koki, uh, she she liked me to sing uh, one of the tangos, the Gardel tangos, when I was uh, six or seven, something like that. And um, and then. Um, I, I think it grows in you when you are getting older. Then there is another problem that is the uh, colonization by culture and by music. So you, you can hear all the international uh, music in English everywhere, in every radio, like podcast or whatever, Spotify, around the world. Mm-hmm. But many of the cultures in different parts of the world, they know little or nothing about their own music. So uh, that someone is telling you, I don't like tangos because it makes me think of my grandparents. It's a problem. Hmm. It's like, I respect that. It's a feeling, but it's a problem because it's your music. Interesting. It's like specifically, if you're from Buenos Aires, I think tangos are an Argentinian thing, but it's more from Buenos Aires. That's how I identify. Then I will have shit from everywhere, <laughs> like, like I say. But I identify more tangos from Buenos Aires and then all type of folklore from the rest of uh-huh. Argentina, and many people they would say, "Oh, the Wabash Punky," or "Oh, Gardel." It's like, but at least you should know your things, and then to say, "I don't like it," or you should have been exposed to, to these things, and then say, "Well, it's not my thing." Mm. Fine, but uh, I, it's a problem when you hear in every radio and everything. It's like all the time music that many people also we have to remember they don't speak English. Right. So basically, are listening to the things that they like, but they don't understand what they are saying. It's, it's not, it's not yours. Well, that brings up another interesting point. Having danced most of my time in the states, most people don't speak Spanish, hmm. so they're listening to tangos in another language, but they're dancing, and they're so their idea of musicality is basically based on syncopations rhythms and melodies to an mm-hmm. extent mm-hmm. um but not to lyrics lyrics right yeah and so it's funny to hear you know some criticisms of other dancing others dancing their musicality quote unquote um because they say oh they're not on the rhythm or they're not on the syncopation or they're missing this or yeah. they don't hit that because they cannot hear because the they lyrics and also they are yeah. not dancing to the singer which right. sometimes i do for yeah. example yeah. and the more i try and i when you try to sing a tango well, you sing tangos right mm. i remember the first time i tried to sing toda mi vida it was so fucked up to to listen to how his voice doesn't line up at all Oh, I'm fucking don't. Yeah. I'm gonna cut this. Oh, out. that's beautiful. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> but like the voice and the rhythms, done, done. You know, because yeah. tango rhythm is so marchy, right? It's so straight. Yeah. Wait, you you dance tango? A little bit, yeah. Okay, good. I'm good for learning. You. Yeah, I read a book about it. 
So, and I'm watching some videos on YouTube. Ocho básico, remember? <laughs> the, the salida básico. But the, so the mark is like really solid, junk, 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 right? Yeah. But the voice is way all over. On, it's not on top sure. of that. Sure. And for like. every every singer, you know that. Yeah. For for every singer, different singers, they 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 sing the tangos in a different way. Right. For sure. Yeah. They 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 don't understand. Also, that something is very funny for me. Uh, in milongas where the DJ doesn't speak Spanish, and there are tangos that you cannot dance because. Mm the lyric is too much mm. like someone died and it was poor it's like come on man it's like i, I am listening to this <laughs> literally it's like i cannot dance it this is this is too much uh -huh. and and for people it's like ah really yeah really i'm telling you it's, a, it's like a, it's too much so yeah i one of the parts of the show that was we're talking about that tango taste was even if people for example they were aware of tango, but they went, They are not going to milonga. They are not dancers. They weren't aware that tango has lyrics. Hmm. Uh, tangos have different lyrics. So the tangos that I had in my show, since I am telling the history of tango, but also a love story, all the lyrics of the different tangos that I chose are related to the show. And I am telling them why they are related and what the lyric says. Hmm. And... Uh, I know I, I love that part of, of, of my work, like trying to share a little of culture and uh, to understand and to yeah. yeah yeah, but yeah true it's I, I think there's a completely different experience if you understand the lyrics wh when you dance and then um, is is the part also that some people say when you grew up with these things. It's like they are in the back of your head. So in a way, I agree that maybe, I don't know if your grandparents, but when I am dancing, also it relates to some parts of my life. Mm -hmm. So when I express myself through dancing, that is also there. Yeah, that's something that uh, somebody brought up to me a long time ago when I was learn starting out. And um, because I was... Believe it or not, I was kind of an asshole. And mm -hmm. I was really... No, I believe it. Yeah. And I thought, like, I'm the best at everything, right? And I remember this guy that I was studying from... Because I was, I was like, you know, he's a great teacher. He's well-respected. He's been around for a long time. And I said, but when I watch you dance, sometimes I don't understand your musicality. Because I knew everything when I was 22 years old from Cleveland, Ohio. About tango. And... <laughs> And he was a gringo too, but he'd been dancing a long time. And he said, well, when I danced this one particular song, it was, um, I forget the name right now. He's like, my mom used to play this when I was a kid. And so when I danced this song, I'm thinking about being in the kitchen as a child with my mother. And so I'm not really listening to the, the beat. Like he was really rubbing it in my face. He's like, well, I'm not listening to the beat because, you know, <laughs> my mom is in my head. And, you know, and uh, I remember walking away thinking like, that guy is an idiot. He <laughs> <laughs> fucked up your experience. It's like, no, oh, but now I, you know, I now. am dancing with the clock. <laughs> <laughs> I hear the beat. Uh, yeah, no, I understand. But you know, it's like as you, as you grow up or and, and have this more in your history, more in your past. There's other things you're expressing through the dance besides just yeah. one, two. Well, three. once someone told me, I don't think that uh, it doesn't look like you love tango. But when, when they told me you don't love tango, they told me that I don't think that the dancing 
is the experience for you. And that I agree 100%. For me, went to a milonga, it's like dance a little, but then talking with you, having some whiskey, having some wine, eat something, laugh, and then you dance. And I think that is a different experience in Argentina than in Europe and United States. Oh, yeah, totally. Like uh, in Europe and United States, I have the thing that if I go to Milonga, they are expecting that you will dance Every, all the time uh, because you are a good dancer or, or they like to dance with you, whatever. And I am like, well, no. Yeah. It's like, I am not like that. I, I, and it's got to be interesting for especially local Milongueros in Buenos Aires who never leave when tourist season comes because the eyes are so different you can see the desperation you know like all these eyes like looking around the room like they're looking for like the last drop of water and then or someone yeah so so all your audiences they know about cabeceo and all of that i mean i don't know i don't think i have an audience but (laughs) (laughs) it's like okay (laughs) thank you very much for having me well you don't have an audience either (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah, you're kidding. Thousands of so people is, you know, will listen to this. My first note on this was, you're the first person on my show who thinks he's important. <laughs> that was a good joke. Why you, you didn't do it before? You, well, I was... You, you, weren't, you weren't self-assured <laughs> I enough. Was, I was waiting for the moment. You know, I had to build your trust first. <laughs> well, you can say, you are the first Boom. person on the show that is working on TV. So I was like, well, you're right. In Norway, still, it counts. <laughs> <laughs> no, but anyway, like you said, when I, f- my f- I remember the first time I went down to Buenos Aires and I thought, I didn't really notice the culture shock until I came back in terms of, I came back and I was like, wow, when you go out dancing here, there's so much more pressure. Like everybody is there to dance. And when you go down pressure, there. Pressure when they see you when dancing? When they see you or even ah. when you're, no, well, like wanting to dance, even if they're not wanting to dance with you. You feel that pressure in the room. It's like, when when are we gonna do this? Like, what? It's like, come on, come on, come on, come on. And then mm-hmm. when you're in a milonga, like more, I would say in Buenos Aires or even in that style where it's just, you sit, you drink, we chat, maybe we dance, maybe we don't. Then you dance. It's like, oh, nice. It's not like everything is based on this, and if this isn't great, uh well, I don't know what I'm going to do for the rest of the week. Like, it's going to ruin every. You know, it's, it yeah. just fucks everything up. Oh, uh, yeah, Be- because we are all going there to enjoy ourselves. So that pressure is the enemy of Joy. enjoyment. Yeah, yeah sure. So uh, I, I remember, well, I danced many years in, in, in Buenos Aires. Uh, at some moment, being a lawyer and then dancing because that was a really place where I could relax. And then when I was having my first hour show in Spanish in, in Buenos Aires, then I was finishing the show on Saturday nights and I was going directly to San Milonga, possibly La Viruta because it's the one that was uh, been later. Late, you know, yeah, like yeah. I was really finishing two or three in the morning. That is fantastic about Buenos Aires that I miss of any city, even yeah. New York. New York yeah, at four yeah. is dead if mm-hmm. you don't know where to go. But and in Buenos Aires, nothing is dead until six. Yeah. So. And it's I a was, blessing and a curse. Yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah true. Uh, because everything starts later. But I mean, and um, so yeah, I used to love to to, to finish my nights uh, there. I, and and still, New York is a place that uh, I uh, 
I dance, I think, the most because after performing, I go to Tango Cafe or to La Nacional, you know, that you go until one or two. Mm -hmm. And for me, it's relaxing to be yeah. there. I, I am a more uh, nocturne mm -hmm. person. So uh, I need that thing of yeah. uh, being kind of like, w when you perform and, and it goes like shit, uh, you, you will be it will be heavy in your heart right, and, right. And, it, and if it goes great you will have a rush that you cannot stop it with anything so I think it's nice Perhaps that having cool. some mattress like some uh, uh, space there like you can go mm -hmm. down for, for good yeah yeah, yeah I like that you, how you said pressure is the enemy of joy because one thing I hate about like marathons tango marathons or hate maybe it's whatever the fuck it is and hate but dislike you know i feel good to say i've never been ever in a marathon <clears throat> yeah because what i don't like about them is that they don't give you any sense of joy because it seems like the whole there's so much pressure on dancing it's like you know you're there for three days at an airport hotel out in the middle of nowhere <laughs> you know generally really, really? really oh. generally i mean sometimes like they're like chicago she does it in the city, and it's a nice. Area. You can. Leave. What I like is like when you're. In, in, basically, the point is, is really, like when you're it just sound like a prisoner. Right? Well, that's the thing. That's oh, what wow. I feel like. You're just in a lot of these marathons. You're just stuck somewhere, and you're sitting along the edge of the room in a square on a chair, with nobody. And it's just like you're just sitting there waiting. You know, like. And I know a lot of people, either a get joy out of that, or think they're getting joy because maybe a lot of people don't know what joy feels like really. <laughs> they're just in a moment and they're like yeah. oh I'm supposed to laugh now okay ha 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 oh and I'm you know like cause I, a lot of people don't know what I think what's really happening right they're not very self aware but when you're in a situation where you can leave the room take a walk come back maybe you dance maybe you don't my point is is like lately especially I'm almost trying to do in a way what you're doing I don't know if it's parallel maybe but like I'm trying not to try so hard when I dance because I feel like I spent so much time doing that. Every song at the end, it has to be, you know, yeah. and I also agree with you that I don't dance as well for the dance, <laughs> mm -hmm. you know, like yeah. I dance for the whole, everything else as well. Yeah. Otherwise yeah. I would be probably like a stage salon dancer or something. Well, but. you have it a little worse than me in the sense that your main activity is tango. So yeah. I think I do the same with comedy, but it's more difficult because it's my area, it's my thing. So I, of course, that also telling jokes, you have to relax and, and enjoy life because if not, and the most that I enjoy myself, they enjoy the audience. Mm -hmm. uh, but clearly in tango, I do it a lot. Like basically, I used to work with tango. I don't anymore. And sometimes the only thing that I do from time to time is I teach contemporary dancers tango. Mm. And that I enjoy a lot because I don't have fucking patience. And they are really fast. They move really quick. They are really appreciative. And in one or two weeks, they are like really, they could be. Mm -hmm. So uh, that is very interesting for me. But uh, in tango, yeah, it's like I do it for myself. So, um, yeah, I, 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 uh, I, I, I let it go. You know? and, and that's, uh, well, thank you that you were saying the same as you do. But I think I believe it like that. 
Like I, I live all the experience, like dancing and the drinking and the talking and whatever is part of the same experience. Like yeah. it's me relaxing and enjoying life. Yeah. Um, yeah, you cannot enjoy yourself dancing nine hours per day or seven hours per day. I don't know how many, how many hours they, they dance, but this is not possible for me, I know. At some moment, I should go to one of these things, maybe to write about it. But, uh, but uh, yeah, no, I, uh, two hours is enough. One hour, maybe enough. Yeah. yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by it. I, did, I didn't mean to sound like I'm judging people about it, but it's, I, 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 you <laughs> it know, sounded it's like that, that, <laughs> that's why I didn't make any comments about it. Oh, really? You think that, Adam? Well, the nice thing about not posting on Facebook and having a podcast yeah. is nobody listens to this. <laughs> really? So I can say whatever I want. But you had several thousand. No, I know. But my point is, is like yeah, on Facebook, yeah. you write something like anything we might say that might be offensive, right? You yeah. See, if you write it in Facebook, yeah. You know, it's thousands of comments, and then they comment on each other's comments, and then it just goes like. But this is this boom, is boom, my boom, point boom, 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 boom. with the, all this culture woke or not woke, whatever you want to call it, but. Who can resist that analysis? Anyone that, that will make a comment like that. Why are you then checking your own life? What, what, what are you doing? Everything okay? You never made a mistake. You never, you want like thousands of people, hundreds of people telling you, oh, no, no, you say that. I just said, yeah, I know. I made a mistake. I move on. Hmm. What, what well, do you want me to the, do? That's the thing. It's like social media and all that shit. It's it's like a permanent stamp, right? So if you said something five years ago, yeah. one time, yeah, and maybe the times have changed a little bit, yeah, and then you want to do something, right? Run for office, I don't know, and they go back and they pull this out, and they're like, well, you know, one time. So this, my point is like, when we do this podcast, a somebody has to listen to it to to get offended. So I've already like weeded out like any idiot who's just gonna read something on Facebook and comment without thinking, mm. they're not even going to be here, right? Yeah. Because <laughs> you need to focus for an hour more or less <laughs> on this conversation. So those yeah. people are gone. <laughs> so that's like already most stupid people are not going to comment. And then B, when you hear something spoken in a context of a conversation and there's a greater purpose around the whole thing, it's not just like, oh, I wrote one sentence that can be interpreted 500 ways. Mm-hmm. So then everybody can jump on it. They can hear us talk and maybe say something like, oh, I think marathons are stupid. But here's the reason, dot, 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 dot. And then it's like, oh, well, that's not mm. that. If, I see his point. But if well, I just wrote on Facebook, marathons are stupid. Yeah. You know. I, I, I don't think marathons are stupid. I don't either. I think uh, they're amazing. No, but I mean, but I don't understand them. Not really amazing. Is there, is there <laughs> not really amazing. Uh, this, this is philosopher Os Ospensky, it's called. And, and he wrote this book about the po possible evolution of men or something like that. I'm paraphrasing. But uh, it's a short book. But basically, and you have to read it several times to understand it. Or at least me. It's, it's very complex. But hmm. he says, you can only say, I understand you in the complete sense of the word. Like, I comprehend what you are saying. But necessarily, if I say that, in the same problem, we will arrive to the same conclusion. So basically, if I am talking with someone that loves marathons and does marathons, I cannot really say, I understand why you do this. I can say, I respect mm -hmm. why you do this. 
I don't fucking understand how you can be nine hours per day dancing <laughs> or whatever. And that's true. I cannot. I, I, I understand that some people, they have the craving to mm -hmm. do this and good for them. But I cannot. Other people wouldn't understand, of course, how I can live my life with not an off button, writing comedy all the time and performing comedy. And I understand that. But yeah. that's why we are different people. Yeah. No, I, I that's why ultimately, even if I say if I throw out or one, we all throw out these like harsh words I hate, I don't like, blah, blah, blah. Ultimately, if like if you're getting joy dancing at a marathon three days in a row for nine hours a day fucking great well we you know, know that some it. people get obsessed with that yeah. like when they Whoa. tell people that, I, that, yeah. that that europeans or north americans they sell their apartments and they move to buenos aires <laughs> you know when you say it like yeah. that it's, so fucking... it's, it's, it's insane <laughs> but people are doing that uh, and there's like really yeah why i don't know <laughs> i don't know why they do that because that's the other thing is like that is this the reverse uh, as Many people, they tell you, well, I don't like tango because it reminds them of my grandparents. So, by the way, why do you, fuck, do you hate your grandparents <laughs> anyway? That's a, have you been molested? Anyway, so <laughs> you want to cut that joke. Anyway, so uh, when you do that, then on the other side, you have people that they love tango. And they didn't grow up with tango. And they move there and it's like, nah, I will fucking die in Buenos Aires. And I'm like, Wow. Really? You love this that much? Because I, I will think I love that that much. But in a way, when people ask me, oh, you don't mute more size, for sure. But I bring my mother but to you. But if you consider yeah. how many people move for a job that they hate, moving to Buenos Aires for something you enjoy makes a lot more sense. <laughs> Well, well, that, Do you that, know that, what I that, mean? That's like, what I mean. That's what I mean. Like, yeah, of course. I uh, know so many people. They're like, oh, I moved here. It's a hit well, that job is, I hate. I don't even like. That the is city. a feeling that it's I like, can understand. You it's like you are following your dream. Yeah. You're following your. So you're yeah, following in that respect, your passion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But uh, yeah, some people they tell me, oh, you don't miss one says, Yeah, sure, I miss friends or food or. But I bring my my mother. My mother last year was six months of the year in Norway, for example, and and then I was traveling here, but I was more there shooting the TV show and things like that. But then, yeah, I miss food. Or, but I think I had enough exposure mm. to Buenos Aires and to my country. I traveled all around the country to believe or to think that I am bringing Argentina and Buenos Aires with me mm. when I travel. And that's why I'm sharing the thing that I can share more, or the, the, the things that I know of, tango, Argentina, how we are. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, yes, uh, I, I think people get obsessed with that. <laughs> sold their apartment, <laughs> yeah. They, they, when you they say know, it like that, say... it does sound, I mean, it is kind of crazy, but it does sound totally yeah. nuts. That said, I think I am really grateful to have been born in Buenos Aires. I, I love the city, I, th I still think after traveling all around the world, it's one of the best cities in the world with all our problems. Uh, I, I love Buenos Aires each time that I go and um, I understand why people like there are several cities around the world that I wouldn't have a problem thinking why are you moving to this city mm -hmm. you know it's like if you tell me oh, I, I'm moving to New York or Buenos Aires or Paris or even some city like Prague or Budapest like oh, they, they are amazing mm -hmm. I love Oslo too for different reasons. I think New York is a grinder and Oslo gives me peace. Yeah. It's a society that works clearly. 
so and, uh, and being with family and all that is mm -hmm. like uh, yeah 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 i don't know how people do it here what do you mean well in this in the grinding sense like i work oh. enough Yeah. Knock on wood, I'm I'm grateful that I make a living full time with Tango. Yeah. But I don't have to wake up every day at eight o'clock, pack my ass on a subway, go to work, yeah. do something all day that I'm not that big of a fan of, get on the subway, come back home five days a week, you know, like oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I would much rather if I was in that situation, <clears throat> I would my way is like I would rather move to Cleveland or somewhere. And work at a coffee shop yeah. and read. Well, I would say and not have to deal with all that shit. When when you are in a, such a competitive environment like New York, following your dreams or doing what you love helps a lot. Like yeah. it's our yeah, situation. Yeah, yeah. But still, I think, or well, at least in my case, a performing comedy in New York is really competitive mm -hmm. because every comedian that is good, uh, sooner or later they come here. Yeah. And you are competing all the time with them for the spots in the clubs, for everything. And I can imagine with tango must be similar. You know, it's like you need your people in the milonga, you need your students, other people want the same. Mm -hmm. And you are fighting and you feel the, the, the hustle. I think that's why the famous, if you make it in New York, you make it anywhere. Because it, it toughens you up. Well, the there's city. certain things you won't make outside of new york like i don't think you could live off of being a comic in, in i always refer to cleveland because that's where i'm from but like there's no stand-up comics living in pittsburgh full-time no there's no, no tango I dancers understand. like no, it's, i mean sense, maybe a few but in smaller cities in but. the sense it will be and it happens that when you say i am a new york comedian i say it says okay let's see what you got Mm -hmm. And normally, it's a thing. It's like, who is a better comedian, the late comedian, the New York comedian? For me, there's no discussion. It's New York. Oh, no. I was All I was saying is like... No, no. I understand what you mean, that you cannot live, live in another place, yeah, that yeah. you don't have that amount of time. But it's more like, it wouldn't be a doubt, normally, that the New York comedian will do really well in Pittsburgh. Mm -hmm. If you know the city, it's like, if your comedian is late, that's what I mean. But... Um, Yeah, I think that also because of the amount of time, I think this is the greatest. Well, I was just saying because there's not enough work. Yeah, yeah, no, you know, I understand. I, I think New York is, is the best city to perform comedy because the amount of hours that you can perform per week. And you also jump from like one club to another club exactly. in the same night. Exactly, which in other cities is really difficult. Mm -hmm. I, I think that... Uh, um, I would think even in LA that would be difficult just to get... From in LA, I think, I think the guys, they can do two a night something like that but uh, except that you have different shows in the same club in different rooms or something like that yeah but in new york you can do five six in a weekend per day something mm -hmm. like that so it's a yeah it's a lot and you can perform every day of the week and you can do different shows that you can do club shows and you can do uh, bar shows and if you want an open mic that is good and uh, events and when uh, you were do you remember your first show Sure. Like, yes. How were you freaked out? Were you nervous? Were you? Was it here? Was no, it you said you started in Buenos Aires. But was right? here, was here. That that's uh, fucking unbelievable. Because I was making the transition. I didn't know I was making the transition from law to uh, drama and comedy. 
So at that moment, I, I, I was a lawyer and I, I've been studying drama, but I wasn't really doing comedy. And I came here, uh, I was accepted to do an LLM in NYU. I went to a meeting and I'm seeing all this rain and uh, it was raining for one week. Mm. I was like here, every time it was raining, at some point I was looking at the sky saying, what's going on in this week? And uh, I am in this meeting talking about the scholarship, something like that. And I, I cannot do this anymore. I was working in a firm in Buenos Aires and, uh, and I went to my room and at that moment I wrote four minutes of stand-up and I went to uh, open mic in the West Village, uh, close to Savers in the stand-up New York. Mm. I did those meetings. People laugh a couple of times. Uh, I didn't bomb, I think, which is normal. It would have been okay, but they laugh a couple of times, and uh, I was like, oh, fuck this shit. So I went back, and I quit my job, and I started being a lawyer, but not in a big firm, but uh, working myself and then I started be, start, uh, start being an actor in a in a play and then I started doing comedy like at that moment I had uh, 10 minutes and I started performing in a place called El Bululu in in Argentina in Buenos Aires that still exists mm. and uh, yeah one I think several months after one year after I, I think I was winning a competition which allowed me to have my first our show in Avenida Corrientes. Avenida Corrientes and Callao was this place called the Foro Gandhi. And I did um, an hour show and that's how I started. And yeah, yeah so um, it was here. It was, uh, it was destiny in a way. Uh, I, I don't know how I had the boss really to. <laughs> there, there are several parts in my career that I am like, wow, I did that. But literally to have four minutes of stand up in Spanish translate where my English was much worse than this huh. and uh, if you are listening to this and you think that my English is bad fuck off <laughs> and uh, no, I'm and um, and doing that I was like well sometimes you are proud of those moments that you make the jump and say I hope this is in it <laughs> and uh, and I loved it I love the rush it's like the, the rush is all the way but uh, yeah that that the first one that time it wasn't that bad. Then in El Bululu, once I had uh, <laughs> one of the shows, I had only 10 minutes, right? And I think uh, four were about masturbation, <laughs> or three, I, I don't remember. But I had like some sexual jokes about also meeting women and all that. And in one of the audiences, there were only three members, three people oh, in sure. the audience. And was my mother and her two friends. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing is, oh. when you are starting, you cannot sing it. You have to do what you have. So oh, I went man. there. <laughs> it was such a pain. It was so hard. And uh, that was one of my first shows. I think that was one of my first 10 shows. And I still remember it's one of the worst I ever been. Well, I mean, you have to go through those ups and downs and keep moving i i don't think it's weird to do what i do for a living and i don't think it's weird is maybe not the best word but like when i imagine myself going on stage to tell people jokes i think it would be insane and terrifying right <laughs> yeah. but i do something that other people think 
is insane and would be terrifying for them, right? And so it's just interesting how we find what inspires us and we don't think it's crazy to us and we do it. But then when you think about it or the way you worded like, you know, I sold my apartment and moved to Buenos Aires. When you actually think of it from the outside, it's like, it's kind of weird. Like, well, this is crazy. You know, like you go on stage, you write observations and thoughts on paper in your from your brain. You put them down. Yeah. Um, then you go on stage and you say them to people and in a second language and you make your livelihood doing this and you're good at it and it's funny. And well, you came to... Uh, the Axis show. That was a while Axis ago. Show. I haven't yeah, seen yeah, you in years stand-up. because yeah, yeah, you yeah. work at night and I work yeah. at night. But it was yeah. good. I was so relieved. <laughs> <laughs> I think I told you that a couple of times. I, I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, sh- I think Sharon was with me, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I remember we were Both waiting things. in line and I'm like, man, if this isn't good, I'm going to have to lie to this guy for the rest of the time I know him. <laughs> and just be like, yeah, it's great. That's but funny. I remember there was a, I get affected easily, and I'm I'm curious if you do. You you must have a way. I mean, we all get over it, but I get affected easily by people's facial expressions. Like if I'm teaching a big group class at a festival or something, and there's like a couple people in there that look like they're just not into it. Luckily, I have Chica with me, and I can kind of roll with her, and then the other people. And but I get affected easily. And I remember when I was in your show, I was at your show. There was a woman in front of me. Who just look? I was like, I kept commenting the chair. I'm like, I don't understand why this person's here. All she's doing is like rolling her eyes at everybody and like, she, and but not. But no, the point no, no, is like because uh, the Chris Kattan, the yes, weird little guy, was the, he was yeah, the, the host. MC, that the, guy's the SNL weird, guy. man. Um, and and to her, you know, to her credit, most of the comics weren't funny, mm-hmm. you know. And but you came out and she at this point, I think you were cl- the final or the one before the final. Yeah. And I was so distracted by her. I was like, this lady needs to... But then you came out and you were really funny and she actually seemed to be yeah, like laughing for real. And I was like, I was thinking if I was up there, you know, and I saw people's faces that didn't look like they were having... I mean, you already went through the experience about telling your mom about masturbation. So <laughs> you've been through some shit. <laughs> Our sex, it was like, yeah. But like, how, do you, how does women. it affect you when you look at your audience? Because it's had to have happened a couple times where like, it just looks like the room is not... I mean, I got to go through it, right? Uh, yeah, when, when, when you have shirt with your mother, how do you pick up girls and all that? It's kind of like then... It's like, well, I, I think that helps a lot, I think. So... Uh, first, I, I can go to the access gig, but when I perform, people tell me if I get nervous, which I don't lately. But for sure, if it's a live taping like Axis was, for sure. And at that moment, I was getting a little more nervous. But um, but I always think, so if I am opening, well, it's like, at least I am not closing, you know. And then, Or if I, I, I am not the feature or closing. And then when I was featuring, it's like, well, at least I'm not the headliner and now when i am the headliner i think well no one will die if i fuck up <laughs> you know like, uh, and that is really important i'm, I'm saying literally when the, people tell me oh that's a really difficult job i'm saying well i'm not opening brains you know and and uh, curing people mm-hmm. so that is important for me in my head yeah, yeah that's one thing but still i feel a responsibility now in relation to that uh, the axis a show I, I once I got a feedback from the clip that I sent to a producer in the UK that was too many laughs might say like, what do you mean like laughing people were laughing too much 
in that gig and it was kind of unbelievable it's like what the fuck do you want me to do it's like uh, it was 300 people so that gig in a way i don't remember this woman but i think comedians we have the thing we have a tendency to look at the person that for sure at your question if i am aware if they modify me yes 100 yeah. percent sure it, it, that is a difficult part of the art form i think the most difficult part yeah. like if for example when you perform theater when you you are in a play and then people come and they congratulate you and say oh very interesting oh what you did moving but in comedy it's like uh, if people don't laugh and then they come and say oh really fine say like, well tell it to your fucking face because <laughs> you weren't laughing for one hour Mm-hmm. So in that sense, I think, yeah, sure, it modifies you. And then I think we all have different ways to acknowledge that type of situation. Uh, I used to really try to make that person laugh. Like, I will win you over. And sometimes I do. And sometimes then I acknowledge this in the middle of the show. Like in, in Edinburgh, that is my room. I do whatever fuck I want all the time. Sometimes it's like uh, after half an hour, people are like, they relax one person and, and he starts laughing with the rest. It's like, I got you, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, and they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, like, yeah. because they are, so that, that can be. But normally I, uh, I try to think the, the same that I was saying before. They don't need to like me. It's not everyone in this room. If there are 300 people laughing, it's one person that she doesn't like it. She doesn't like it. Yeah. That's it. But normally, also, I, I have ways to include that person. So sometimes I try. Mm-hmm. And if I cannot include you, well, maybe I will make you a target. And I will make it better for the rest. Uh, so many times people were telling me, what do you think that is a word? Many times I think that going on stage is a word. Is hmm. me against the rest until we prove that we are all in the same team. Mm-hmm. But this is a really lonely spot. It can be. So it's col- collaborative, but uh, at the end of the day, if it goes wrong, you go down. But that's also a way you test your stuff. And, you know, like there has to be moments when you're trying new material and it doesn't go and you're just like, oh, well, I'll throw that out. <laughs> well, but that is not the exact, but that's not the that's not the part that I'm talking about. Right. The part that I'm talking about is that you are doing your A material and you just can't and it's not working. Yeah. 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 So, and it happens. Of course it happens. So, uh, that is, uh, but I, I always love a metaphor of Seinfeld about that, that uh, it's really important for a community, really important. I, I think that uh, equilibrium, as in any part of life, but I, I think for a comedian that you're exposed all the time, is like a baseball player. You have an average, but mm. so mm-hmm. when when you are uh, doing really bad, you are not horrible, and when you are in the home run all the time, also you are not the greatest. Right. You're uh, your average, yeah. and your average has to be good, mm. and that is what what I have in my head and in my career. It's like the average has to be good. Everything has to be about dignity level and and uh, professional and all of that, and then shit happens you know but that's life yeah. uh, I, I used to be to think of uh, being perfectionist like i told you i'm starting my podcast and for two years i, I had it there now i decided i will do it no matter what i will put the raw file out there that's it but i am doing it for me now 
Mm-hmm. So I, I want to have it out there. But if you are thinking in perfection all the time, in what, what people will think all the time. Yeah, it's... well, if you're thinking what people will think specifically, yeah. even more than perfection, or if, or if you're basing the idea of perfection on what people will think, yeah. you're fucked. Ah, yeah, yeah, for sure. You're well, you, you, can, you cannot do what people are expecting from you. You're gonna but that goes it. back to before about yeah. not... You, well, we're talking about it again, actually. Like, not pleasing everybody. Um, like, there's... Yeah, anyway. There's moments when I'll... You know, even today, when you're like, should we meet? And I was like, well, I'm a little hungover. I don't think this show, this conversation, yeah. would necessarily be any better or worse if I woke up fresh or if I was completely ham. You know what it's like? Yeah. It's still just you and I sitting around talking for I think, us. I think you have been the best that you can be. I don't think that you can be better. <laughs> don't worry. Thank you. That's all, not, you know I, what? I, I don't know if I would say thank you for that. Well, I was <laughs> just going to say, now that I realize I've achieved that, I'm actually a little disappointed. I don't know if we want to be the best we can ever be. Uh, I do. Because then <laughs> not, not every, we every moment, realize but... how bad we actually are. Because let's put it like this. Yeah. If you were told that was the best comedy I've ever seen in my life, you are the funniest person, mm-hmm. you know, or you don't know, mm. if that's A, what the fuck does that even mean? And B, is that even true? And to see if it is true, in your head, you may not be the best. So then you're like, well, shit, if that's the best... What have I been trying for so long? You know what I mean? It's like, what have I... <laughs> but I mean, that happens a lot. Like, I, at least, thank God, that happens a lot to me. That people come and they... they sometimes they, they talk in the middle of my shows because they think that I am relatable, that I am like, we are friends immediately. And no, we are not <laughs> fucking not shut the fuck up. Like, I have the mic. and But then people are telling me, oh, this is great. It's like, okay, this is this is the greatest for you mm-hmm. and it's fine but you have your own thing you have your own path where you are going like the other day i had two shows in different clubs i for the audience were two good sets but for me it was only one because in the first one it was the first one that i was i had after long tour like being in norway and in the uk and in budapest so i was doing different material and the first one, I was like, oh, it's like this horse is, is, is taking me <laughs> like I am falling. I'm almost falling all the time. Mm. Like I, I, I think that I had a wild horse in the in the first one and I didn't like the set at all. People were laughing and they couldn't see what I was seeing. But I was saying I am I am being lucky here. I am all the time almost or forgetting the material going out of my timing or whatever. Almost, almost, almost. I was like the second show was good they those audiences they don't know right neither of them it's like uh, they, they think that is the same i know so uh, that is what we do when someone tells you oh that that dancing was amazing or something like it's great that that's also in part we do what we do i i uh for me it's not only about uh, politics or, or sharing cultural experiences it's also about we are entertainers i think i am entertainer it's not only the art form, but we entertain people. Mm-hmm. Like life is painful as it is, so when I see a movie or theater or comedy, that some I forgot all my life and I'm totally immersed in that thing. It's like 
I hope that from time to time, like some minutes of my set, they do this for someone that this movie or this place, uh, uh, this play or this comedy or this book mm. is doing for me. Mm -hmm. Because we, it's related to our health. We need to relax our heads. Mm. You cannot be thinking all the time and doing in our own thoughts all the time. And this is related to what you were saying or asking at the beginning uh, of the podcast. It's, we are plugged all the time. Like comedians, you're like life is so. Uh, when you go to something to be entertained, it's such a bless. It's it's, it's mm -hmm. great. Yes, the the last thing that I remember now is uh, I went to see Parasite that we were talking about yesterday. So, wow, it's such a masterpiece. But uh, in in all senses, you you get so involved inside that thing. Mm. Like it was moving me how he manages the cameras. I said, oh, this is genius from, from moment one of the movie. So you understand why the hype, mm -hmm. you know? Um, so, uh, yeah, I am, I'm really happy when people say that. I'm really happy I believe them. Oh, for, for, for you, I was the greatest. Fantastic. Great. You had such good fun. Fantastic. Yeah. And move on. And we will try to uh, do it with other people. Mm -hmm. uh, but, but it's true what you say also. It's like you shouldn't believe it also. Well, I was also saying for you as the the person who's always trying to achieve that, if like the one day you actually think you might have, it's more of a, I feel like it would actually be a letdown <laughs> in the end because you're like, oh, this is it. Uh, <laughs> you know? Well, but, but that is the thing when you think. It's better to, it's, I it, feel like it's always better to try to attain it because then you never know how bad it actually <laughs> but I mean, it's different their feedback. Yeah, for sure. No, no, than, than your own I'm making feedback. Making a bad joke. No, and, no, uh, no, an observation. Uh, but many times I think in any uh, artist's career, is that how amazing it would be to have only one of those things. For example, this director doing Parasite. That's it. Move mm, on. Right, like, right, go, right. Go to the mountains. <laughs> that's it. That that's it. De Chappelle with any of his shows that's it retire it's fine like many of these artists so i think that that is uh i think it's i don't know if it's a reasonable goal but i think it's a good good goal for any artist is to find one thing that it would be perfect mm. in in all your career like something you got lucky and at the same time you were in the right place and in the right time and everything went to that point when you can do something like that, when you can make it that's a, that's a thing. I, I like uh, also in, in a comedian's career what Louis C.K. says in relation to the first thing that happens when you have been enough time in the game is that your worst sets, they are not that bad. Mm -hmm. that, that thing goes up. Yeah. And then the second thing that happens is that your good sets are even better. Mm -hmm. And I agree with that. And that also... Um, Creates a protection for the comedian. No, I agree. I agree. Like, as if well. you suck, you won't suck that much. I know? feel that way even about what I do. It's like when we perform sometimes in the past, we've been doing it a long, long enough time that even if it's to us not great, you can't negotiate, you can't deny that it's quality, right? And then even like a, anybody who's competent at what they do after enough years, it's they're, they're competent. It's like, well, it was. 
it was there. Yeah. It's like, wasn't up here. And it's hard. To, and that, to me, is, like, amazing that there's some people that are always that brilliant. Like, I don't know if Robin Williams could ever have a bad set because his mind is just... I, I saw him live. You know, like, insane. It's just he comes yeah. out and it's just, bing, you know. I, I saw him live in one of his last yeah. sets ever. Uh, and that was maybe the best show okay, in all the people that uh, performed that day. I think the best show that I've seen in my life. I don't remember. It was like uh, Roger Waters and Robin Williams, Ricky Gervais, John Stewart. <laughs> Is it the festival? Uh, the Comedy, New York Comedy yeah. Festival at the Beacon Theater. Yeah. I was like, wow. I, I really, I was understanding what I was saying while yeah. I was there. It's like, I, this is historical. It's like I, I don't know how they they can have all these people. Patton Oswalt, everyone was there, and uh, yeah, he was great. Patton Oswalt, man, he's underrated, I think. Yeah, I think. Uh, I mean, he's, yeah, he's big, yeah. but like, yeah. you think that he I think should if you, be bigger? Yeah. I think if well, I don't know if should, but yeah. he's amazing. Like, yeah, he's amazing. I think yeah. if you ask somebody like name your top five. Or top ten, I don't think he would hit the list for most people, even though maybe he could. Because if you ask comedians, I think well, he okay, would. that's well, they're educated. Then, think, yeah. yeah, because I've seen him, I've heard him do like the bit. Yeah, I can't. It was a long time ago, but he did one about like why we created God, you know, and it's mm-hmm. just because like strong people would kill you if they didn't fear something stronger than them, you know. Which but he true. obviously he made it into a ten minute bit and it was fucking hilarious. But <laughs> I was like, this is good shit. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, because basically we did this to, to control those who are more powerful, physically more powerful than us. We needed to get them something to fear so they don't hurt us because we're weak. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's why many times really thin and, and small guys, they are comedians because they, they have to make jokes to survive. <laughs> yeah, of course. If you don't, if you don't joke, you, you uh, lie. Well, also, nobody, nobody wants to laugh along with pretty people because they hate you. You know, it's like you're Tom Brady, right? It's like I'm not gonna laugh at your jokes. You already get everything you want. Fuck you. Like I'm gonna laugh at the little bald guy who's three feet tall and probably never got laid. Cause poor bastard. Like, well, I, I think that uh, when comedians are good looking and, and even especially women, I say it's more difficult to perform comedy. Mm-hmm. You say, mm, where is your suffering? Mm-hmm. And that's true. It's like it, it, for me. In a way, uh, of course, that you suffer, it's like being prettier or, or not prettier, ugly, whatever, as fuck. But uh, <laughs> but I think pretty people they have it easier in mm-hmm. this world. Yeah, for sure. And There's like uh, studies about this. Shit. Exactly. Like they get more money in exactly. jobs. They get hired yeah. easier. Yeah. They get more and, laid. Uh, yeah. yeah <laughs> yes. <laughs> so um, yeah, ugly people they they know how to. Put That's why you're efforts. so funny, though. I know. I know. Yeah. It's like I look at the mirrors. Like, ah! What's, uh, no. I don't uh, even need the right material. <laughs> no. <laughs> I go with my face like, ah, oh, same poor. It's like you got a horrible life. And, uh, maybe we should laugh about this. Well, I think we should end because people see the hour and a half podcast and they don't want to listen to it. Is it's it? frightening. An hour and a half. But I wanted to ask you about the, what, wh- who would you consider either A or maybe we can go two ways. Are there, who are your bigger influences in comedy? And then if you wanted to or could have like an all-time five, who would those be? Or maybe they're the same. Oh, wow. The second one is uh, more difficult. That's really impossible. But I would say, uh, I don't know if influence, but for sure uh, the light at the end of the 
channel, I think it's Dave Chappelle for me right now, for some years. Um, Louis C.K. too, but I think in relation also to what Dave does as material. And uh, <laughs> he got so much shit for Sticks and Stones. And, and you're right, I hadn't actually seen that one yet. I need to watch okay, it. Because he did I, the, d the yeah. double special. Yeah. Uh, no, that is yeah, yeah, yeah. before. And, and I think it's a masterpiece. But, I mean, I would say that. And the uh, all-time five, I would say, okay, those two, uh, Dave Chappelle, uh, Louis C.K., that's, uh, wow. Yeah, it's really hard to just pick then, five. Yeah, and it's only standard because if not me, I would say Monty Python. Mm. But um, uh, Woody Allen was really good mm. uh, in, in how he was crafting. I, I collect uh, comedy LPs, so I have a lot of mm. uh, different comedy LPs. Uh, Richard Pryor, for sure, yeah. there you have three. Uh, it's... it's Difficult. I could say Robin Williams. Then I, it will come a lot of people. I could say Robin Williams or Eddie Murphy. The Eddie Murphy specials are really those two really are, good. like you said, he reti he did Amazing. what you said. He retired. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did my thing. I'm done. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he got into movies, but he I was think like... Ricky Gervais is uh, also great. I think he's, he's better in the sitcoms or or that part of the writing, but his stand-up specials are really good. And when he's hosting the Golden Globes, it's amazing. Mm. It's really, I think that uh, he embodies also the spirit of comedy, you know, like to go after people that they have the power. Like he was shitting literally on everyone and every platform that they could give him, you know, uh, <laughs> work. I, I know, but I, I don't want to forget any of There's, the... For me... Carlin is brilliant because he doesn't actually tell jokes. Mm. He just goes out there and says shit that makes you think a lot, and you laugh cringingly inside. Like, yeah, I like the first geez. part, the first period of Carlin. Yeah. I, I am not such a big fan of the last two, three, four, five specials, uh -huh. but uh, yeah, I have many, many of his records. Yeah, for sure. Um, Lenny Bruce also, but I heard less people say Lenny Bruce because whoa, Lenny Bruce was the first. But but truly, uh, just now I bought an LP in in London when I was performing there a couple of weeks ago, that was about him talking about all the trials that he has on stage, <laughs> which is hmm. I mean, amazing. But I think many of these people they were doing things for other comedians or even for society in hmm. relation to, for example, freedom of speech. And Lenny Bruce was one of them. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, there I'm thinking. One person that always, so like, they're completely different, but Robin Williams and George Carlin, I, I readily laugh when I'm watching them because I'm just kind of amazed, like especially Robin Williams. Just like, yeah. And then if I want to laugh, I watch Chris Rock because I swear to God, the moment I start, He's, yeah. he's, some people I find when I laugh a lot, their jokes are not that intelligent. And that's why I'm laughing so much because I don't mm -hmm. have to think. Mm -hmm. But I find him to be an interesting blend that it's very intelligent. But you're, I'm like rolling around when I watch Chris Rock. Like, well, instantly. Chris Rock, also the first specials, they were amazing. Yeah. Uh, and all those people I, I saw many times live at the sailors. Like I saw Chris Rock, Louis C.K., Dave Chappelle. Once I saw him doing five hours, 
when we were introduced after at 6 a.m. in the morning when Wait, we were scraped. Five hours? Five hours and, and then he says, oh, you, you perform in two languages. That, that must be difficult. And like, I just saw you performing five hours <laughs> there today. <laughs> and uh, yeah, yeah, for me, uh, all those guys, there are so, so many people. And now, nowadays also, there are uh, so many comedians trying to, um, it's a boom of comedy. We are well, it's true because we have so much more access to get to it. Like with podcasts, Netflix, Hulu, like, I mean, comedy, cooking shows, all these things are becoming like huge because there's so yeah. many avenues to find them. We don't have to just go to a club. Yeah, and, and also worldwide. No? That, uh, yeah, if we, each time I perform at the Fringe, there's the people from Netflix are there, they come from, from the late night shows or Conan. Or it's, it's so much that uh, they are looking for different comedians around I, the world. It's, in, it's funny to think like in the early 80s, everybody talked about how if you got Johnny, if you got a bit on Carson, yeah, that's, that was that's like, famous. you yeah. know, yeah, yeah, yeah. your intro to making it and nowadays you can just release it, it wasn't the intro it was making it yeah okay it's like you made it huh. that that's at least is the what i read in the books and what they were saying if you were doing johnny carson that's it like you have a career huh. and now nothing is like i don't think that anything has that power right maybe netflix a little but but not the power that you will have a career after that it's like well you can too you have that in your resume but i mean Literally, you have to continue rowing your little boat, mm -hmm. whatever happens. You know, I've been on TV, like performing five different countries here now, or I'm doing stand up, right? But then, or the TV show in Norway. But I mean, whatever you do, you have to continue doing it. And that's a funny thing. I think that's a funny stuff of uh, like a such, such a hard, hard life. <laughs> But yeah, we do what, what we like. And, 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 oh, and man, it would is, be harder if we did. The thing. You're going to grind it out no matter what you do, so you might as well grind it out doing yeah. something like Wait, you, you want to uh, yeah. finish? Yeah, we should wrap it up. I got a Spanish lesson in half an hour. Cool. So uh, I, I do uh, uh, mainly Instagram and uh, Twitter. It's Adrian Minkowicz. You, you will, anyway, you will put it when you post or something like that. Adrian Minkowicz. Mm -hmm. A-D-R-I-A-N. M-I-N-K-O-W-I-C-Z. Is that a Polish name? Polish name. Yeah. yeah, Polish and Italian. And then uh, I will start a new podcast, but I will tell you, you can tell the audiences. Yeah, I'll do uh, an intro and I'll be... set it, this up. Cool. And I'll tell when it's coming out, yes. I want to get like at least five and then I'll post them cool. one, once a week. But yeah, this will come out soon. This is the now. best. I, I can tell you right now. This is the best one. Yeah. <laughs> I'm getting so good at this. Thank you for having me. Thank you, man. Um, See you soon. Take care. Yeah. So that was uh that was my sit down with Adrian and since we were together he has had a baby and I haven't left my house. <laughs> so a lot of things have changed very fast. Um he's back in Norway now with his lovely wife and his other daughter and I'm sure they're happy and I'm happy for them. Um and for the rest of us we'll hang in there. We'll stay connected on the internets and until next time stick around or I don't know stick around don't stick around because I'm going to end and then you're going to be listening to the silence but do your do your best to enjoy your time read some books get some rest get some exercise um, don't forget to join us on Wednesday and uh, take care everyone thanks bye